Welcome to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. Today we begin a series that will challenge you to grow in your faith and keep you walking in victory. Here is today's message from the Argonzoni Archives. Give me your undivided attention for a few moments this morning. I would like to have you turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. The book of Revelation, chapter 3 of Revelations. And we're going to begin reading in chapter 3 of Revelation. We're going to begin reading in verse 14 of chapter 3 and verse 14 of the book of the Revelation. When you have it, say amen. Amen. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These things says says the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye slave, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now I want to repeat that scripture one more time in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and dine with him, and he with me. Father, we come once again in the name of your precious son, Jesus. I pray as we felt your divine anointing in the first service, and as you ministered in the minds and the hearts of all the listeners, I pray that once again you may move through your power and through your spirit, speaking to our hearts, Lord, we know that it's your anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. And this morning, I pray, if there be anyone that is in a state of bondage, that they may receive liberation, that they may receive freedom this morning as your Holy Spirit moves upon their lives. Lord, as you speak to us, also help us that we will be open so that we may be able to receive. Give us a broken and a contrite and tender heart so that your message may penetrate our hearts and that you will shape us and form us after your likeness. And we will be careful to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. This morning, I would like to talk to you on an area that I believe that the Bible points out that it is the greatest sin that exists in the church today. And the passage brings it out very plainly. It's the sin of lukewarmness. Lukewarmness. Now I know that every Christian that is in this place, there's been one time or another that there's been a struggle within your Christian life. Every one of us have struggles. If any, every, every one of us go through uh, dry periods where we feel dry and we feel that God is far away from us. But many of us are able to acknowledge it and, and recognize it and press in and begin to walk the way God wants us to walk. But there are people that instead of getting a hold of God, there are people that begin to fall behind. And the Bible calls that lukewarmness. Incredible as it sounds, there are those who are Christian who are actually fed up with Christianity. 
And there may be some here this morning that have come to that state of mind that instead of Christianity being, being exciting to them, they're actually fed up with Christianity. They've heard everything, seen everything, tried everything. And if they were to admit their deepest feelings, they would confess that they are bored with it all. Bored with Christianity. That spark that they used to have is totally gone. Their Christian experience is worn out. The excitement is gone. And Jesus is unreal to them most of the time. And they become bored, uh, critical, and tired of listening to sermons. And whenever there's a, a challenge, a spiritual challenge to them, there's no response to any spiritual challenge whatsoever. And preachers are able to see that in the lives of some people that there could be one of the, the, the best services where the Spirit of God is moving and God is moving by His Holy Spirit and there's a powerful challenge that is given and there are some people that never respond. Some people that somehow they are so indifferent and somehow they are so callous that they don't respond when the Spirit of God is moving. That is a very dangerous state to be. There's something radically wrong when a Christian's relationship to Jesus grows old and boredom begins to set in. This is not the way God has intended for our Christian experience to be. God has never intended for Christianity to be something that is boring. This is why I believe as we get together in the services that we could have excitement, there is joy, there is happiness, there is true peace and happiness and joy that only God is able to give. But what is the problem? Well, the problem is not God, first of all. I want you to know this morning that the problem that you're having is not because of God. It's not because of the unfaithfulness of God, because God is a faithful God. You notice what the Bible says, that He's a true witness. He does not lie, and He is a faithful God. So the problem lies with us. It doesn't lie with God, but it lies with us. And here in the text that I have read, we find the, that the Bible brings the diagnosis, diagnoses the problem, that there is, and it brings out in Revelation chapter 3, in the verses that we have read, it is very clear that the word that is spoken is spoken to the church, and the problem is the problem of lukewarmness. Now, I want you to understand this, that this text that I have read, even though it is used for people that are not saved, you find that evangelists love to use this text for the unsaved, and there's nothing wrong with it. Many times I've heard this message be preached and the text be be used for those that need salvation and it says behold i stand at the door and knock if any man will open up i will come in and i will sup with him and he with me and there's no problem in using that text for the unsaved but i want you to understand that when the the text that we find here is not directed to the unsaved but it's directed to the christian it is to the christian that this text is directed to. It is not to the unsaved people, the invitation that we find in verse 20. Now, what is the problem with lukewarmness? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us very plainly that it sickens God when someone is lukewarm. The Bible tells us that when the Christian comes to that state of lukewarmness, God is sickened by the lukewarmness of that Christian that he actually says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Just like yourself and myself, I have experienced, when I go to a restaurant, sometimes I like to order uh, hot chocolate. Now what happens, those of you that like hot chocolate, what happens when they bring you the chocolate and it's lukewarm? Hmm? What I do is I say, listen, take this back, I don't want it, I can't enjoy it, I don't want it. I like it hot, I like hot chocolate, and I like cold chocolate. But I don't like lukewarm chocolate. It has to be either hot or it has to be cold. I could drink it cold and it's good. And I could drink it hot and it's good, but when it's lukewarm, I return it. I don't want no part of it. 
And this is the very same way, just like your food. If it's kind of lukewarm and they bring it to you, say, no, put it back into the oven. How many like pizza? Do you like a lukewarm pizza? Talk about pizza, you're getting hungry now. <laughs> when I'm going to have a pizza, and I like to have pizzas, <laughs> it has to be hot. You know, when I see that thing hot. You see what I'm talking about? When it comes to lukewarm pizza, I say, hey, take this thing back, man. This thing is dry, it's lukewarm. You want it hot. So very same way, God referring to us, he says, when we are lukewarm, it sickens God. And he says, I will spew thee, I will vomit you out of my mouth because of your lukewarmness. Now in the text, not only does God diagnose the problem, which is lukewarmness, but he also brings out the symptoms to the problem. In other words, symptoms which characterizes the disease of lukewarmness. You want to find out whether you're lukewarm, the Bible brings it out, and it brings out and diagnoses the symptoms of when a person is lukewarm. The marks and symptoms of lukewarmness is found in verse 17. And it says in verse 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. You hear that? He says, you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And then Jesus says, but you are miserable, poor, and blind, and naked, and you don't even know it. So the first sign of lukewarmness is actually when somebody is self-sufficient. Self-sufficiency is, is the very first symptom of lukewarmness. When you feel that you don't need it, when you don't need anybody... When you feel that you could do it by yourself, then that's the very first sign that you're headed towards lukewarmness. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we feel that we have it all together because we learn a few scriptures, we've had some spiritual experiences with God, and we never again have to go to the altar. I've seen people that never go to the altar. They never need the altar whatsoever. Every message, every message that is preached, not one time have they gone to the altar. And yet those very same people, when they first got saved, they were getting a hold of the horns of the altar. There was a, a breaking and, and a weeping and a crying and a travailing before the presence of God because they sensed that at that time their need of God. My friend, I, I don't believe that as we come into a place of maturity that we should feel that we need God less. I don't believe that. I believe the closer we get to God, the more trips we make to the altar. I think some of the most holiest people are the people that respond to the messages that are given and they come and, and they cry and travail before God at the altar. The problem is with us many times is that we become self-sufficient. We think we don't need God like we used to need God, that we're okay, we could make it by ourselves, and sometimes God has to permit a tragedy to take place in our lives so that he could get a hold of our attention. See, God doesn't want us in that lukewarm relationship with him. He says he wants us to declare ourselves. Either we're cold or we're hot. Either we love him or we don't love him. Just like the Old Testament prophet said, he said, decide this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. So self-sufficiency is not a mark of, self-sufficiency is not a mark of spiritual maturity. And that's the problem that some people think. Some people think, well, I am spiritually mature, so I don't really have to respond to these messages. I don't have to come to church the way I used to come to church. I could only come on Sunday morning, and I am spiritually mature. That's good for those young Christians because they really need it. But I've been around now for 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years, so I'm doing pretty good. I could take care of myself. But do you know that it's actually the, the very opposite? Self-sufficiency... That, that sense of self-sufficiency is actually the very opposite of spiritual maturity. 
Now, when one reaches the point in a Christian life when he feels that he's heard and seen everything and knows everything, and when he feels he needs nothing, he's been infected with that disease that is known as lukewarmness. And you know that there are people in Christianity like that today? And sad to say, there are also people like that in our church. Sad to say. People that are in our church at one time were on fire for God. Love God. Men and women that used to love God. That used to be sold out for God. But somewhere along the line, that infection, the disease, crept in and it brought about lukewarmness within their lives. The Christian who thinks he has need of nothing is, is in, the, in the most dangerous position. And let him beware. Now, Christian maturity, when we think about Christian maturity, is an increasing of the awareness of one's need. An increasing of a lack of self and confidence and an increasing of a dependency upon God. In other words, the more you mature, the more you recognize that you need God. And I'll tell you why. Because the closer you get to God, the more you know that you begin to see areas of your life that are not yielded and not submitted. You get, the closer you get into the light, the more spots you're able to see. And this is exactly what happens within our Christian experience, that the closer, the more we pray, the more we read the Bible, the more broken we become. The more sensitive we become, the more we recognize our need of God. We find this in the life of the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul. He wrote in Romans chapter 7, he was having that struggle that many have. There's not something new. When you're having that struggle between the, the, the spirit and the flesh, this is a struggle that has existed. And we find it in the Word of God. The great Apostle Paul had that problem in Romans 7 when he cried out and he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I mean, he was in a, he, he was in a battle. He even says in that chapter, he says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And then he cries out and he says, Oh, wretched man that I am. I want to do good, but I find myself doing the very opposite. But you know, the Apostle Paul found the answer. But then he says, but I thank my God through Jesus Christ. He begins to praise God. And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ that he's able to be a conqueror, he's able to be an overcomer. So we're going to have struggles, but we have to recognize that no matter what level we are in within our spiritual experience, we need God. God has never intended for us to be in that place of self-sufficiency. And also, we also find in the Bible the cure or the antidote to the disease of lukewarmness. And we find it in the very text. Not only does the Bible speak about lukewarmness, this is what's beautiful about the Word of God. It speaks about the problem, but it also tells us how we could get out of the problem, how we could solve the problem, how we could find a cure for that problem. And we find it in verse 20 where it says, Behold, he says, I stand at the door and knock, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, you know what the answer is? The open door holds the answer to lukewarmness. He is saying, I am knocking at your heart's door. But it's up to you to open up. You see, God pleads and God tugs and God begs, but it's up to us to respond. Spiritual growth involves progressively opening areas of our lives and turning it over to the control of Jesus. This is what spiritual growth is. See, the problem we have sometimes is that we're waiting for God to do everything. God did everything already. There isn't anything else that God could do. And then you blame everybody else. You blame the preacher. You blame the church. You blame your family. You blame the circumstances. You even blame God that you're not growing. 
and you're always finding excuses why you're not growing. Listen, there isn't no excuse that'll hold up. The intention that God has for your life is that you will continue to grow, that there will be a continual growth, spiritual growth taking place within your life. And how does that take place? What is the cure? The cure is, is that he's knocking at your heart's door and he wants you to open. In other words, what he's saying is this. He doesn't want to be a guest. He wants to be Lord within your house. And the problem that we have is we have him as guests. We have him as a guest. Just like when I go to your house, so I've been to houses. When I go to your house, what happens? Where do you put me? The living room, right? You have the living room wall looking nice. and Oh, Brother Sonny, come on in in the living room. And I've had experiences when I've been in the living room, and you get kids, you know, kids are very, uh, very sincere, you know, very open. And I ha I've had one kid get a hold of me and say, oh, come on with me. Oh, Brother Sonny, come on. Come into the room over here. I want to show you something. And all of a sudden, the mother comes and says, oh, no, 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 Junior, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. Oh, Brother Sonny, I'm so embarrassed, you know. I'm so embarrassed. We, we don't have our room the way it should, so we really don't want you to go into our room. You see, this is like uh, I'm a guest, so when I'm a guest, I just go and uh, whatever, you know, I just sit in the living room, and then we go. But Jesus, this is the very same way we treat Jesus many times. We accept him in our lives as personal savior, and then we say to him, you could come into the living room, but that's as far as you could come. And Jesus says, I am not a guest. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open up, I will come in. He is saying, not only do I want to come, once I come into the door of your heart, he says, I want every area of your life, every crevice, every department. I want to control it. I don't want to be guests, but I want to be part of it. I want to lord over it. He wants every part of our lives. And until we give him every part of our lives, as he, be, he begins to tug away, then there's a, there's a conflict that begins to take place. He wants uh, open area. He wants, he wants it to be turned over to Jesus, that it, that it, it may be a, a habit that he is saying, I want you to turn that over. It may be an illicit relationship that you may have, and it needs to be turned over to him. He doesn't want to be a guest in our life, but he wants to be Lord. He wants to Lord over all. And the problem that we have is that sometimes we don't give him, we don't give him the room. We don't, we don't give him the acceptance that we need to give him. So he says he knocks and he's asking entrance in whatever area of your life that is close to him. And once you close an area in your life to him, growth stops and infection begins to set in. You see, this is why some people stop growing. The reason why some people stop growing, they grow up to a certain point, and then when Jesus says, I want that area of your life, you say no, and as soon as you say no, the growing process stops. It stops. And once the growing process stops, then infection begins to set in. And then you're headed into a life of lukewarmness. So behind some closed doors, there may be some secret sins that you have to give up. There may be some secret sins in your life that you know about. They're a secret. No one else may know about them, but God knows about them. And God is knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and saying, let me in. He's saying, let me in so we could have a house cleaning. So you could begin to progress within your spiritual life so you will stop being defeated and you could become an overcomer. So there's that sometimes secret sins that we need to confess and we need to yield unto him. Another cause of lukewarmness, and we're not going to labor this because the time is moving, is also found in a familiar parable that is found in Mark chapter 4. You can just write it down in verses 1 to 20. We find the four kinds of grounds which the seed was sown, and each produced different results. The first soil the Bible speaks about was hardened. And it tells us when the seed fell upon it, it laid on the surface and the birds came and carried the seed away and it didn't take any root. Now those are the people that, you know, they come and nothing penetrates and they haven't really 
The seed hasn't taken root. The word of God hasn't taken root in their lives. So there isn't any fruit that is produced. Now, we're not dealing with those people today. The second soil depicted here that we find in this parable is the shallow heart. In other words, the word of God is received. But because of the difficulty and the persecution for the word's sake, uh, it withers the seed and prevents it from growing. Now, there are some of you that maybe you started out right, and there's some people that start out right, but they think that, that Christianity is going to be a bed of roses. They have the erroneous concept of what Christianity is all about. There are going to be struggles in Christianity, whether you like it or not. It's not all a bed of roses. You're going to have some conflicts. There's going to be some people that don't like you. You may lose your husband. You may lose your wife. You may lose your children. You may be considered an outcast. You may face persecution. But we're to be faithful because we're to recognize that he is a faithful God. So there's some people that because of that, they're offended. And instead of growing, the growing process stops. You're listening to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. I know you're enjoying today's message. We would love to hear how these podcasts are blessing your life. Connect with us today at SonnyArgonzoni.org. process stops. Then, thirdly, it talks about the, the soil that was thorny. It received the seed which took root quickly, but the thorns choked it out and prevented it from coming to maturity. And here's where many people fall into this category. You know what happens to some? You come in, you don't have anything, you're all messed up. You know, most of us, when we came to Jesus, it's because we needed him. Wasn't it like that? I don't know about you, but I, 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 I was desperate. I came in in a state of desperation. And many have come in a state of desperation. We have people here that have come in because their homes were wrecked. We have guys that have come and girls that have come here because they had habits and they were drug addicts. We've had all kinds of different problems. And all of a sudden, we, somebody told us about Jesus and we heard the good news and we came and surrendered our lives to Christ. And then once he takes us and he lifts us up and he begins to bring blessing upon us, then after a period of time, we begin to progress. The sad part about it is, is that we, as we begin to progress, there's a tendency, a tendency sometimes that we begin to forget about him and what he's done within our lives. That level of communion and that level of commitment begins to diminish. Instead of getting stronger, instead of growing, and instead of the commitment level beginning to increase, it begins to decrease. And this is the problem that we find here in this parable it says that quickly the thorns choked it out. Now, the thorns, it is talking about the, the world and deceitfulness of riches. You notice what it says? Deceitfulness of riches that choke the word and they become unfruitful. You notice what it says? Deceitfulness is because that's exactly what it is. You look at a millionaire, and I've seen millionaires that are actually miserable. Having money... And having material gain and material things will never make a person happy. After a while, you get tired of it. You get tired of all your toys. The other day I seen on, on 2020, I don't know how many of you have seen it, this guy that had everything. I don't know how many have seen it. This guy, I mean, he's a mind blower. He's only 41 years old. And he's built some of the biggest buildings in New York City. 41 years old. He built the big Hyatt building in New York City. He has three casinos now in Atlantic City. And he has this big helicopter that takes him up. And he has jets on that helicopter. And he goes into his big structures that he has in New York. And he lands on the rooftop. And he has uh, uh, three, uh, three, uh, uh, three levels of that big building. It's, it's his house. And then besides that, uh, he has a, a 727 jet for his family with pilot and everything. He grosses just from one casino, I believe it was about, it was $16 million a day that he grossed just from one casino, $16 million a day. 
and he has three casinos. I understand he gives over $40 million. He gives over $40 million a year. He gives to charity. He has everything he needs. In fact, the commentator said he has all his toys. All his toys. His houses and his airplane. And he has a big, big yacht as well. And he's only 41 years old. And then she says, where are you going to go from here? She says, you got everything. What else do you want? What else do you want to conquer? He says, I don't know. He says, I don't know. I just, you know, I just want to get something else. I don't know. I'm not satisfied. He wasn't satisfied. The only one that satisfies, my friend, is Jesus Christ and a true and intimate relationship with him. He is the only one that brings satisfaction to the soul. And man, we're so hard-headed sometimes. My God, we're so hard-headed. Devil gives us a job to work Sundays, so we work Sundays. Gotta make some money. Can't come to church, I work Sundays. Can't come to church, I work nights. We begin to compromise, trying to keep up with the Joneses. The Joneses not recognizes that the Joneses are miserable. This is what this parable says. The parable is talking about that some people become lukewarm because they get caught up with the cares of the world. Here's the picture of the crowded heart, a divided heart. It receives the seed, but the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And God has never intended for us to be unfruitful. We are to bear fruit. And this morning, I challenge you, are you bearing fruit? Are you growing in your spiritual experience? Or have you leveled out? Have you come to a place of stagnation within your spiritual life? If you come to that place of stagnation, then you're not going to go up anymore. You're going to go the opposite way. You're going down. See? So there are Christians who will, act, who will follow the Lord until the point where it begins to cost them something, and then they back away and they cool off. You know, there's some Christians that are just, the only vocabulary they have is gimme, 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 gimme. You can even hear it in the prayers. Lord, gimme this, and Lord, gimme that, and Lord, gimme the other, and Lord, 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 gimme, 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 I, 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 I. And then when the Lord says, okay, I've given you enough now, now I want you to pay a price. And as soon as they hear, come in and pay a price and dedication and consecration, all of a sudden, they begin to back off and back away, and they cool off instead of having that fire anymore. These are the ones that want to be, and hear, the, hear me, these are words of wisdom right here. I want to give it to you. These are words of wisdom. These are the ones that want to be counted in, but they could never be counted on. Let me repeat that again. These are the ones that want to be counted in. They want to be in the in crowd. I am part of Victory Outreach. But they could never be counted on. You ask them out in the street somewhere, what church do you go? Victory Outreach. And they smile. Uh, who's your pastor? Brother Sonny, my pastor. And they're claiming to be part of this church when you could never really count on them. When it comes to tithing, they don't tithe. When it comes to uh, weekly services, they don't come to weekly services. When, you, when it comes to the nitty-gritty where you need them and where there has to be a little stretching, a little bit of commitment, well, they're not there. They're not willing to pay the price. These are people that stop growing. These are people that come and level out. These are people that fall into an area of stagnation. There are those that will admire him, tip their hat to him, give him an hour in church on Sundays. We have some, do we have some around here? You mean we have some Christians that only come one hour on Sunday morning? Do you know that we have more people coming the first hour? You know, the first hour has really been growing. And I know the psychology of some of the people. And I could tell some of them, and I shared with them this morning. You know what some of them do? They say, well, we go at 11 o'clock, we never know when Sunday's going to finish. But oh, 
if we go at 9 o'clock, whoo, he has to finish. So then they come at 9 o'clock, and they say, bye, I'll be out. They start figuring it. I'll be out by 11 o'clock. I'll be out, hopefully, and they never, you never can tell with me, but I'll be out by 11 o'clock, and then I got all, not only the whole day, but I have the whole week until next Sunday. And there are some that only come on Sunday morning, and that's it. Why is it that on Fridays, do you see this place? If everybody came, do you know that we wouldn't have room on Friday night for all the people to accommodate the people? Why is it that they don't come on Friday? The reason why they don't come on Friday, they're too busy shopping, too busy doing this, too busy with the cares of the world. Why is it that on Sunday nights, on Sunday night, we should have lines waiting to get into this place if everybody came that comes on Sunday morning, we wouldn't have room to accommodate the people. What's the problem? The problem is, is that they have fallen into this routine of one hour a week type of Christianity. And what you put into it, that's what you're going to get. That's all you're putting into it. Just coming in and patronizing. Patronizing Jesus. And saying, Jesus, I'm here. Hi. Here I am. You see me? All right. Well, you won't see me until next week, you know. And take off and then come again next week. This is not the type of Christianity that we find in the book of Acts. This is not the type of Christianity that the Bible speaks about. One hour church on Sunday morning, and then they don't even want to serve him because they don't get involved within the body. What type of Christianity is it when you don't get involved within the body? You know how you grow? By finding your place within the body of Christ. This is why I praise God for those that are looking for their ministry and looking for a place within the body of Christ. There is a growing process that begins to take place. You find people that are ministering within the body and you find that there's a maturing that's taking place within their lives because they have come to that place of surrendering to God. Isaiah the prophet said it very beautifully. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now, we're going to wrap all the sermon up and message up now. And, uh, but I want to give you the secret of Christian growth. And it's summed up in, in the verses that the Apostle Paul brings out in Romans chapter 8. Now, li- listen to me. Hear me. I hope you understand. You with me? I'm giving you the problem, right? I'm giving you the problem. Lukewarmness. I'm saying that if you're lukewarm, the devil throws you up. Can't put it any plainer, right? You're a stench before the nostrils of God. If you're lukewarm, I can't put it any plainer. But at the same time, I'm also giving you the cure. I'm giving you the solution how you could get out of it. And I believe there are many of you that could get out of it this very morning. Now, in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, we find the secret of a Christian growth that is summed up in these four verses of Paul. And it says in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, There is now, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Now they're, they're the key here in, this, in these verses, there's a key word that I want you to latch on to. The key word is all summed up, it's all summed up the key is all summed up in one word which is actually walk. You notice what it says? For them that walk not after the flesh, but walk after the spirit. Now walking means walking one step at a time in the spirit. The problem that we want, we want everything instamatic, spontaneous. Everything spontaneous. You know what's beautiful? What really shows the maturity of a Christian? When that Christian is able to keep at the constant pace, walking, 
walking that Christian walk, walking that Christian walk. The storm's coming, still walking, still going forward, still going forward, still going forward, ducking, fighting here, but still going forward in the name of Jesus. No matter what, just going and going and going and going and going. See, in the beginning when we get saved, we want to run in Russian. We want everything all at once. When I got saved, I said, I want to see God. I want to see you. You know, I, I want to see him. I want to convert the world. I wanted everything. I want, I want, I want, to, I, I want his holy power. I, I want to raise the dead. I want finger, fire to come out of my fingers. You know, I want everything. And then the Lord began to show me, listen, it's a progressive experience. You got a lot of, lot of time yet. You got a lot of years to go. And he'll take us one step at a time as we learn the Christian walk. Walking, walking walking, walking. And you know, what they did for me at that banquet, some of you were at that banquet, and I got blessed with that new Cadillac, right? Isn't that beautiful? Now, why did they do that? Well, I think, it wasn't, it wasn't because uh, Brother Sonny is, is, a, is a holy prophet or Brother Sonny is perfect. I got a lot of imperfections, man. I got a lot, a lot of room. A lot of room for growth, man. You just stick around me long enough. Just stick around me long enough, and you find that there's a lot of growing room for Brother Sonny. I still got a lot of growing room. Why is it that they did that? Well, somehow, I think what they did that was to tell me, you know, Brother Sonny, we appreciate it. It was 20 years anniversary, and I think it was a, a token of appreciation of saying not only do we love you, but also we appreciate your faithfulness and your consistency in sticking it out 20 years. 20 years in the same church. The same, I've been 20 years in the same church. You find pastors are always changing churches. They get, they get bored after two years, some pastors. Some pastors don't last two years in a church. I've been 20 years in this church. 20 years with people like Ruben Martinez. <laughs> I mean, 20 years. Huh? And, 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 and when, you, when you think about it, you say, well, what's the problem? Well, I'll tell you what, the pro what it is. With me, it's no problem. With me, I've been just taking one step at a time. And the Lord says, just stick it out. Just go ahead forward. Just go ahead forward. I've been going forward, going forward. There hasn't been any releasing. And I realize that my life is in God's hands, and he is the one that calls the shot. And if he wants me here a lifetime, then I'm willing to just keep on walking and keep on going forward until Jesus calls me home. See? See, the, the key is consistency. And this is what I don't understand with musicians. Man, I get, I, I, Brother Silas, I tell him sometimes, musicians, man, some of them are the most difficult people sometimes to work with. That's why they're not, they're not sitting here. I only got one right over here, zeroing it up. But he's all right. <laughs> I tell Silos, how do you do? And Brother Silos, well, patience. He says, patience. You, know, you, ever, you ever see musicians, they come and they play, and all of a sudden they decide, well, I don't want to play, I want to take a vacation. Oh, the Lord's calling me here. Oh, the Lord is calling me there. Oh, the Lord is calling me here. Oh, the Lord is calling me there. Listen, if God calls you into the ministry of music, I, I can't think of any more important ministry than the ministry of music. I think Brother Silo said it beautifully when Brother Silo said that the preaching is going to cease. There's going to be a time when preaching will stop, the teaching will stop, but music will continue for eternity. I can't think of any more ministry than the ministry of music. And sometimes the problem that we, we disqualify ourselves is because of our inconsistency. And the reason why there's inconsistency within our lives, inconsistency with our tithing. How many of you are faithful week after week? Or how many of you are hit and miss? Now the faithful ones, faithful tithers here week after week are very few. We look in the computers, we find hit and miss, a whole lot of people hit and miss, inconsistent. But those faithful ones are the very few that are very consistent. Why is it? It's because we lack maturity. And the reason why we lack maturity is because there's a lack of consistency within our lives. You see? 
we're vulnerable to what's happening on the outside, the circumstances, instead of just walking on and pressing on and moving on and going forward and putting our faith and confidence in Jesus Christ and knowing that our hands are in the hands of Jesus. So it is very important to walk. Now there's two things that I want to bring on a walk and we're going to conclude. Two things. That keeps you alert for a little, you know. Two things. Number one, there's awareness. We need awareness. If we're going to walk, we need to be aware of who we're walking with. If we're walking that Christian walk, we need to be aware who we are walking with. Are you aware who you're walking with? You know that that'll change your whole lifestyle if you if your conscience and if you're aware of who's walking with you every minute of the day. In other words, what we need to do, we must learn to practice the presence of Jesus, the presence of God in our lives. That means that as you walk, you shouldn't walk and say, I'm on my own, but you should walk and say, I have somebody that is by my side. He walks with me, he talks with me, he is a, a friend who, who's closer than a brother, and he's by my side. So when you go to your job, when you're at your job, and somebody's talking and all those off-the-wall off jokes, and all of a sudden you feel like you want to get involved, you say, wait a minute, I'm practicing the presence is with me. He is with me. He is by my side. You go anywhere, you're going to get tempted or anything is going to happen that's going to dishonor God. Once again, he is with me. He is by my side. Every place I go, he goes. We need to, to understand, we need to comprehend that we do not walk alone, but he goes with us everywhere we go. We need to learn to practice the presence of God in our everyday life. Listen, if you do that, Believe me, there's going to be a change in your behavior. Just like if Brother Sonny goes with you. Huh? Where are you going? I'll go with you. Come on. <laughs> and then I'm looking at you. What are you going to do? I'll go with you. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? I'll go with you. You know, what are you going to, huh? What are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to be careful. Brother Sonny's when the pastor's with me. You know, you're going to, well, the very same way with Jesus. I mean, he's with us. He's with us everywhere we go. We need to practice the very presence of Jesus, the presence of God within our lives. And then also, not only that, but we also, we also need to, secondly, not only be aware of his divine presence, but we also need to acknowledge, acknowledge him. Acknowledge that he's with us. Acknowledge that he loves us. Acknowledge that he's faithful. Acknowledge that he's a God that sticketh closer than a brother. And he's a God that is faithful and faithful unto the end. And then last of all, what we need to do is we also need to come into this place as we walk with him, we have to come into a place of agreement. Agreement. Now, what do I mean by agreement? The Bible says, shall two walk together except they agree. Have you come to that place of agreement with Jesus? Have you? Or are you constantly disagreeing with him? You see, you will not walk very long with somebody that you're going to be disagreeing with. How do you like to be with somebody that you're always arguing with, disagreeing? They say, you say, I want to do this. They say, no, I don't do, I want to do that. Or, you, or they say to you, you, they want to do this and you want to do something different. If there's no harmony, you don't want to walk with that person. If there's disunity and you're not able to agree together. So we need to come to that place if we're going to walk with Christ. And if we want to have a victorious walk, then we need to come to that place of agreement with Jesus. That when he calls the shots, we're able to respond. We need to agree with him concerning sin. That if he says something is sin, you say, I agree. Once you disagree, then you stop walking with him. When he says, this is holiness, you say, I agree. When he says, this is the way I want you to serve me, you're able to say, I agree. In other words, aligning your will to the will of God and coming into that place of submission. Now, this is something that it's not difficult to do if you begin to practice it. 
See, practice makes perfect. As you begin to practice the presence of God in your everyday walk, as you come into agreement that whatever he, de he desires in our lives, then he knows best and we align our will to his will, then there will be a growing process that nothing will be able to stop it. And last of all, there's a scripture that says in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now you want to walk and not faint? Then we need to progress. We need to grow spiritually. If you're not growing spiritually, then eventually you're going to fall into that disease has crept into your life, which we call lukewarmness. And if you're lukewarm this morning, you could do something about it. The saddest thing is to see a lukewarm Christian. You know, lukewarm Christians don't like to sing, don't like to worship. Lukewarm Christians don't like to pray. Lukewarm Christians don't like to give. Lukewarm Christians don't like to give their service get involved within the ministry of God. Lukewarm Christians are totally out of it. They profess Christianity, but they deny the power thereof through the life that they're living. But this morning, God wants you to come. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He says, If you will open up, I will come in. And I think with a message like this, we need to heed to the voice of God. It is God that is calling. He says, I stand at the door and knock. He is knocking. He is a gentleman. And sometimes God is so much of a gentleman that he waits and he pleads and he tugs and he waits for you to open up the door. And when we give him a deaf ear, we think we're getting away with it. But, you know, God loves us so much that sometimes he, he, he'll get our attention and he'll permit a tragedy to take place in our lives so that we will be able to hear his voice when he's calling to us and we'll be able to cry out to him. Let it not be that the only way that he's going to get your attention is going to be through failure and a tragedy that takes place in your life. He says with a very loving voice, he says, Behold, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open up, I will come in. But he says, if any man will hear my voice. See, the hearing the voice is important. Sometimes we don't have ear. That's why it says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the church. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, then I will come in to him and I will have fellowship with him and he will have fellowship with me. How sad it is to lose that fellowship. I want Brother Ruben to come to the piano. How sad it is to lose that fellowship. You know what I don't want to ever lose? I don't want to ever lose that fellowship with Jesus. I want to be able to come to church, and as I come to church, I want to be able to feel, freely feel the presence of Jesus. That I could worship, and I could worship him without any, anything obstructing my worship. That I could raise my hands unto him and lift up my hearts unto him and begin to weep before the presence of God and know that my relationship with him is a right relationship and an intimate relationship. How sad it is when we lose that intimate relationship with Jesus. If this message has challenged you to step out and grow in your faith and walk in your victory, we would like to give you an opportunity to help someone who at this moment is in need for that victory in their life. You can make the difference by contributing a special gift to help us reach a hurting soul. Go to SonnyArganzoni.org and make your special love gift. Be sure to continue to listen to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni on Spotify and iTunes.